0: Welcome to MTG Evolving Wild. Welcome to a very special episode of MTG Evolving Wild, I should say. My name's Mark. I'm Cody. And I'm Ron. And we're here with Dustin of BGE Tabletop. How's it going?
1: Good, good. Hello, everyone. <laughs>
0: yeah, thanks for joining us today.
2: And thank you for inviting us. We're actually uh, recording from BGE Live, and uh, I'm excited to get into the questions we have. Taking yeah. the
3: podcast
0: on the road. Yeah. <laughs> um, before uh Before we get into it, is there anything you want to say about the store or, like, any uh, kind of... Tell us about what you do here. Yeah,
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Well, first off, thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to have you here, too. Um, It's really cool. I think uh, it's awesome to have more content creators come to the store and do something special. Uh, We're BG's Tabletop. We're in the Los Angeles area. We opened about a year and a half ago as a brick and mortar, and we've been online for about three years now. Um, Our whole spiel is leveraging the positive aspects of tabletop gaming and BGE stands for board game with education so i used a lot of my background in education to build our store that we have here
0: that is really awesome yeah. and, and i mean even from the times that i've come in here i i don't know why but i just like feel a more positive atmosphere <laughs> and i'm sure that starts from the store owner and like just you know kind of radiating that positivity <laughs> on everyone that. else yeah. so It's a great atmosphere you've developed here i agree um so i'm curious how you got into board gaming or tabletop gaming in the first place like where did it all start
1: uh probably uh, this is gonna sound kind of cliche with my grandma (laughs) 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 but not because she brought me here to earth but uh we played we'd play kings in the corner growing up Um, and i just remember that's a big vivid memory of playing that game and i would cheat (laughs) so i didn't know there was a rule where i maybe i did know there's a rule but i thought it was strategy where i could hold my kings and i don't know if you're familiar with the game but holding your kings and waiting until you get them all you pretty much can win oh uh, instead of having to play them out um it's been a long time since i played it but i remember there being like if you do that it's kind of like cheating um but yeah that was a big thing that brought gaming into my life. Then I played, like, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, Digimon, Magic. I did all that growing up. Played, like, Risk, Monopoly. Um, but as far as, like, games as an adult, uh, I was reintroduced to modern board games when I was living in D.C. with some roommates. And then from there, I used a lot of tabletop gaming in my education, my teaching. Um, and we created an events-based business in Taiwan. So we would uh, run language exchanges where people can come practice their English or practice their Mandarin through tabletop games. We did some kids programming. We did professional development for teachers. So we wanted to actually do all that here in LA when we moved back, but the pandemic hit. Mm. So then like, okay. I wanted to start a business here in LA and I wanted it to be related to games. I guess I can do an online game store. in hindsight, it's very difficult to do an online e-commerce board game store on a shoestring budget <laughs> right. because you're competing with like big box stores who are able to like buy m- massive amounts of board games and then discount. That's the kind of the business model that works online. So we had to think about how to be creative with it, and so we did an e-commerce model where every game we carried had some sort of lesson plan with it.
0: Oh, um, oh that's awesome. And then awesome. from there,
1: we kind of evolved into, okay, well, this business model actually is not going to work because it's too niche. It's too Uh like, yeah, it was, we were selling a little bit of games and then we're like, okay, let's, let's broaden it. And eventually we're going to open a brick and mortar. So what are some other, you know, titles we can carry that would make sense in a brick and mortar store?
0: Right. So, I mean, even from that little, I mean, background, like you've been all over the place and I've, I've heard you talk about it before. Like, I mean, uh, you mentioned like uh Washington DC was it? And then obviously you ended up here, but you said Taiwan in there too. Yeah, like yeah. how did how did all of that end up happening?
1: Uh <laughs> man, we're going into my uh Nebraska heritage. <laughs> <laughs> so I was born in Nebraska and growing up I never left like you know, I never left the country. Um I studied abroad in college and having that taste of traveling was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um and I mean, it's a very true cliche that traveling broadens your horizon. Like, I was able to learn a lot more. I have grown as a person through traveling. Um, So my first job I applied to after graduating college was in South Korea teaching. That was the first offer I got. Is like, okay, maybe I'm going to South Korea. (laughs) I didn't know anything about South Korea. Um, And that kind of just brought me into... You know, I loved education, I loved teaching, I loved traveling abroad. So that was kind of a big part of what I wanted to continue doing for a while. Um, and then my wife was a big, is a now a big part of my life, but then became a big part of my life, and we wanted to also live abroad, so we did that. She's from L.A., so now we're back in L.A.
0: Nice. Yeah.
3: Weird question that kind of just kind of popped up. Since you've been kind of in, like, different countries and with different cultures and everything— Is, like, tabletop gaming different or, like, responded to differently in, like, these countries?
1: Uh, I would say totally yes, and then also it's kind of the same. Really? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I mean, people love to get around and have a fun experience with friends, right? Yeah. And that's kind of the core aspect of tabletop gaming. You're socializing friends. You're playing. People like to compete, too. Um, So when I lived in Taiwan, we would do board game meetups beyond the one that we hosted that's kind of where we got into the business model that we did um and as a werewolf night and then if you got eliminated from werewolf you just go play other games um there are board game cafes that are pretty big in asian countries oh, okay that sounds really um, cool it's a very different business model and it's kind of interesting and i not sure if it's the most sustainable Cause I was, I was in Taiwan for three years. Um, so it's hard to know long-term beyond those three years. I know there's one store that we went to quite often. That's still there. Uh, but there's a lot of them. Um, but yeah, I would say like, it's, it's kind of that same experience, but then like magic's played over in, in those countries too. Right. Like in Taiwan, I would go and and pick up packs, but more so i I would see them. there. like, Oh my gosh, there's magic cards. <laughs> yeah. um, I remember playing these when I was younger. Uh, and they're usually in English, I would say for the most part. Okay. Um,
0: do they? Do, I don't know if you noticed if they had them in like both English and, or was it just like mainly English only? Yeah,
1: I think so. I also recently traveled to Italy, and they have Italian. They like cards in Italian. I think there is recently Wizards of the Coast announced like they start they discontinued certain languages. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, one big, I mean, not to make it political, but <laughs> one big aspect was they discontinued traditional Chinese that Mm -hmm. was a big big deal um but yeah you would mostly see English but then they would have the additional I think some of the sets maybe didn't have all the languages too yeah
0: I'm not sure I know they discontinued Russian as well and uh I I speak Russian but I don't read Russian but that I mean I can still look back at old cards and practice off there but uh but that was something that I was like oh interesting probably again related to stuff going on in the world.
1: Business is probably reason, right? Maybe yeah. it just makes yeah. business sense. For yeah.
0: yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, you know, one other interesting thing, so I'm sure you might have noticed running the game store here, Commander is probably a really popular thing that happens, um, but I hear in a lot of other foreign countries uh, more uh, competitive 1v1 formats are a bit more predominant there. Do you know if there's any, feel like there's any truth to that?
1: Yeah, I think it's hard for me to answer because when I was living in Taiwan, I was pretty far removed from... Magic. Mm-hmm. Now that I am pretty, like, I'd have to go back and be like, okay, well, what do I remember? That <laughs> <laughs> um, just from, like, this kind of is just, you know, I don't know how accurate this gut response would be, but based on my experience in Taiwan and playing board games and stuff, I think Commander's probably fairly popular over there. Okay. Uh, yeah.
0: Cool. Very cool. Yeah. I, that's cool to hear that it's kind of uh, a you know, as maybe not as popular, but still a played global a format. global format. Yeah. Um So these days, what kind of like board games or card games are you mostly into? I know we were talking a little bit earlier about like poker and stuff like mm, that. Yeah, but yeah. like what uh, what other stuff are you into?
1: Yeah, I would say you always hear this if you want to start a uh, Board game store business. You're not going to be able to play board games. You're not <laughs> yeah. going to be able to play games. Um, I I probably get to play like we we used to meet every Saturday or every Saturday they could with some friends at the store um, towards the end of the night and we play some games uh, when we'd close down and we'd play a little bit after we close. Uh, so I try to play some board games with those friends. We have another friend group that hosts every other Friday if I'm not too tired after closing here. I'll go play over there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like board games. I really love uh, RPG games, tabletop RPG oh, games. Cool. And I didn't realize I liked them because I just got into D&D like three years ago before we opened here. I wanted to learn D&D mm-hmm. figure out what it's about. I'd never played it before. Um, and then I've done Mothership. It's another like a sci-fi horror RPG I love like GMing and DMing and creating those experiences for players.
3: Very
0: cool. Yeah, it's yeah. it's
1: fun being on both sides of the DM screen. But yeah, it's it's really an unparalleled
0: experience when you get to just create your own world. I, yeah. I love it. <laughs> it's a lot of uh, improvisation too, which I've uh, I, I think I got into D and D. I've known about it and been slightly into it, but uh, probably got big into it around like twenty twenty ish time. Just had like. You know, me, Ron, a couple other people were kind of in our circle and just uh, got to play a lot of D&D then and uh, there's a lot of fun to that improvisational aspect and uh, you know, when there's, like, a whole stat system, too, and it's like, oh, I could do this with my character and boost this thing to make this better, like... I think when in high school, when we first got into it, I watched some YouTube
2: videos of people playing d and and I decided to bring it into my friend group. I think I pitched it to you guys as Skyrim meets Monty Python meets <laughs> whose line is it anyways and uh, i think i i sold it uh there you know we played a few sessions had a great time but yeah i, I feel like it's a hobby that we've got to kind of carry through us with the years and that was at least my introduction to tabletop gaming mm. and that's always been
3: yeah these guys me. actually were the ones who got me uh started last year uh playing it
0: yeah. We, yeah. Gotta, we gotta play again it's been too long i know <laughs> I've, I've been i think the the difficult part sometimes can be like the time commitment over a long scale. But right. um, like I, I love the even the idea of like, you know, one shot meeting up once and uh and getting that in. But yeah, D and D is like such a fun time. We definitely gotta see about getting that back into the mix. Um uh-huh. so I know also that you have or maybe have slash had a podcast or maybe have a new podcast now could you tell us a little bit about that and I know you mentioned it was also kind of related to like the BGE name and like this store like how did that start and uh I mean how did it I guess turn into a store or or develop into that I know you mentioned you wanted to open up a you know brick and mortar place um but yeah did the podcast or videocast have anything to do with that or
1: yeah so the podcast was kind of went hand in hand with our events based business in taiwan is kind of a way to start doing that um i had started the podcast board game with education with another friend who is also a teacher and the first so if you go and you search you can find it um but if you are a listener that does not need to practice English, skip the first 15 episodes or <laughs> so. Yeah. So we started it. It used to be called Board Gaming with English, and it was supposed to be a script-based oh. podcast where you would learn the language, the grammar, and the rules of a particular game, and then you can take that and play the game in English. Um, and so we kind of pitched it as a way that teachers can maybe assign the podcast as homework and then play the game in the class that is really english. cool but we learned a lot of teachers or educators outside of um english teachers like english language teachers were tuning in and we're like okay well let's open it up and call it board game with education and now talk about like how to leverage science-based games or how to leverage uh games for practicing and developing soft skills
0: that is so cool. I I I listened to a couple episodes and uh, oh, cool. it's uh it's a really cool listen like there's a lot of that like kind of you know carried through with education and like just getting different types of skills and classes in on it. I I thought it was really cool to to kind of just get that all wrapped up in one uh one really awesome package. Um and then so did it just kind of line up with like opening this store like you know just sticking with the same name and same uh like
1: for identity, uh, core I identity. Guess. yeah yeah so the name was kind of uh it was tough to decide if we wanted to carry the name with us into the store uh you think about names like nike adidas uh i don't know what else like lg right you don't really know what LG stands for, mm-hmm. but if you go dig in, you can find that that maybe has a core aspect of like their identity and their mission statement, all that. And so I decided, well, BGEs, you don't have to have any idea what the BGE stands for, but you can have a sense of, like, okay, BGEs is that Pokemon store to kids, mm-hmm. yeah. or BGEs mm-hmm. is where we go play Magic. Um, and it becomes that, like, identity as the, the acronym versus, right. uh, like, what it actually stands for.
0: Yeah, that is really cool. I remember like I think I I've been I've been in the store a couple of times at this point and then I like looked up board gaming with education and then I saw like the um podcast connected with it. Okay. I'm like, oh, that's what BGE stands for. <laughs> that was such a cool moment to be like, oh, like, you know, it, it is uh it is one of those things that like at first you kind of don't think about as much, but if mm. you look into it, it's actually really exciting to get more of that core. It was out
3: another of it. consumer value store moment for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, seriously.
2: Yeah, yeah. One of those acronyms. I remember when I first kind of heard about the store. I don't remember how, but I got one of your little square sort of uh, cards that had mm. BGE on it, and I was like, "Whoa!" Like this game store looks way closer to my house than any of the other ones that I go to. I think I might have actually gotten that card at another game store, and yeah, I ended up coming through checking. It out. I'm like, cool. They got Warhammer here. They got (laughs) D and D. &D, There's magic here. I got to tell the boys about this.
0: Yeah, awesome. I actually think so. I know Ron definitely told us about it, but I'm pretty sure Cody's dad actually had mentioned this place to us before then. Yeah, (laughs) like because it was it in like the Fallbrook or or Fallbrook Facebook page or something like that. He he mentioned that to us and like had been asking us about this place like uh oh have you been there yet and it's like oh we haven't made time to go yet but then uh you know like eventually now we told him like oh we're there and we're like talking with the owner and stuff like that and he was really happy about That's that cool. yeah but, That's really cool. um yeah like uh it is you know <laughs> kind of finding out about it in a bunch of different ways and then uh yeah when we actually showed up here it was awesome. Yeah, that's cool. cool.
2: But, yeah, because you have so many avenues, I guess it's cool because you can kind of make your own relationship to the name, you know, what it means to you. If you're using it as a way to learn English, that's kind of what the name will sort of mean to you. Or if you're someone like us who just live in the area and want to come in and have to have a cool place to play some games, you know, it's kind of what we make of it. But it's awesome that you have so many different avenues to get into it. Yeah. And and it's a nice, broad umbrella. And, And it's a niche, and it's a good niche at the same time. Yeah. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. I like it. Um. So I'm kind of curious, um, obviously, we play a ton of Magic the Gathering. Yes. (laughs) Um, Have you noticed maybe any similarities or differences between, like, Magic the Gathering players versus other people who come into the store? Like, either in terms of, like, uh, what products tend to be bought or maybe, like, how often they'll play, stuff like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, one challenge for me as a store owner and a person is to be able to separate the identity of like treating our customer base as like, okay, this is the business aspect of it, and then treating it as a community, right? Right. Because as a business, like I have to think, okay, well, we have to be business because we have to come first, right? So, when I kind of preface, I want to preface that by like, I don't want to like alienate people, (laughs) but I do have to like look at these you know, customer patterns to see what works and what doesn't work. Um, what's been interesting to see as a store owner is customers who will come in and maybe start with, and you kind of mentioned this, you'll start with one game, right? You'll start mm-hmm. with D&D, and you'll really get into D&D. But then someone will introduce you to Magic, and then you'll stop doing D&D, and now you'll, you'll be a Magic <laughs> customer. Like, you'll never buy any D&D stuff from <laughs> us, but you'll buy it. Magic stuff from us, so it's it's really interesting to see that that pattern kind of develop, um, and then y- also you only have so much you know money to spend, so there's also that aspect that I have to think about from a business point of view. Like, okay, well you know, this person used to come in and buy one booster box of magic from us every set, but now they're into Pokemon. So I have to consider that when I'm like oh, trying to decide gotta, like, how much to order.
0: Yeah. Mm. Juggle mm. a lot of different things and consider who's been wow, I didn't think about that, but yeah, like that is uh you really gotta consider like who's getting into what at what mm. time. Like Yeah,
1: I really have to know like and that's why like it's important to me again business-wise, it's important for me, but also, like, just as a person, I like to, you know, get to know my community, get to know my customers, so I like to ask a lot of questions and kind of get to know people and, like, what they enjoy, why they enjoy it, again, because it's interesting to me, it's it's something that I'm passionate about, but also, like, it really helps me make informed business decisions, too.
0: Yeah, it, it, it lines up really nicely like that because, like, it, you know, it's, it, it almost, I don't want to say it makes you but like it's a really big incentive to like get to know who the people that come in the store are and who's coming in regularly um with bigger stores i mean you you just don't maybe have the ability to know every person coming in or you know for a more specific store like something that would only sell magic the gathering like you wouldn't really need to know these things either. You just mm. know you're buying the new set of Magic and hopefully people will buy it. Oh, but. yeah. 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 <laughs> um, hopefully. <laughs> but, yeah, with with uh, with something with a little bit more, like, you know, different things here. Like, I, I know you even had Yu-Gi-Oh stuff. And I know mm. a lot of stores will have Pokemon, Magic, other card games and not carry Yu-Gi-Oh. Mm. But, but you even got some Yu-Gi-Oh stuff here. So it's really important to know, like, the people who come in here and what they'll uh, end up buying and... I think that creates, you know, more of that positive atmosphere because you're like actively listening to what people are doing and what people are kind of wanting to get in the future. And, uh, of course, that changes for all of us all the time. Like, even if we think we know what we want, like (laughs) (laughs) two months later, it might be completely different. That's also
1: interesting is like one thing I learned very quickly as a retail store owner is there's a difference between consumer uh, like desire and consumer action. Like, you'll say something, but it doesn't mean you're actually going to purchase it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's like, I have to be conscious about those things. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah, Now I've definitely been guilty of, ooh, I'm thinking of getting uh, the new uh, Warhammer Leviathan kit. And then I see it, and I'm like, okay, maybe not <laughs> now. <laughs> well, it's here. Like... It's here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's funny that I mentioned
0: that. I remember when the first D&D set came out, and... Ron was telling me he was going to buy like all four (laughs) of the pre cons and buy like maybe a collector's box, maybe a set box. And I think. You ended up buying one precon out of everything? I ended up buying
2: one pre-con. To be fair, it's probably like my favorite precon, And I ended up uh, getting just the pre-release kit and maybe a few packs. Yeah. Um, I ended up building a set cube on that set. So I did end up kind of making somewhat true to my word. <laughs> but nah, yeah, I, I ended up uh, really thinking I'd get, uh, you know, a little bit more financially invested into it than I did because I realized, well, I, I got my joy off of just the little product I had here and yeah expanded in a different direction.
0: So another question that I'm pretty curious about and I I think it's kind of something that I've been wondering and and maybe considering like is this a thing or or is it just in my head? Um I think there's a great opportunity to ask talking to someone who has a game store with um Magic the Gathering. For me it seemed like in recent times they've kind of been Maybe pushing, like, a, a almost, like, here's, like, this thing that, you know, everyone's going to want to buy, and they'll buy it, and then maybe they won't, like, continue to be into magic. Like, almost, like, you buy this one thing, Lord of the Rings, maybe, and you play with it, Mm -hmm. and then maybe like less thought to like longer term players and like player retention than there is for just getting people to buy things Mm. have you noticed that or have you noticed that like people will like maybe buy like a lord of the rings set and then from that get into magic even more
1: so uh i'm pretty new in this business so Mm. i have to filter a lot of stuff and that includes like wizards of coast messaging includes other game store like Gossip and or opinions, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them know what they're talking about. Some of them seem like they know what they're talking about. And then I follow them and I learn, okay, wait, that didn't work for us, mm-hmm. right? Some, you know, sometimes their their statements or insights totally work for their situation, but then they don't apply to us. Um, but one thing that I've seen and I notice that is true, period, is orders of the coast likes to throw a lot of stuff at the wall. They yeah. try a lot of different yeah. things and then even in my short, you know, about 2 years now of ordering magic, they do seem to find stuff that does work and that comes through. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of some examples, but I remember just having that feeling recently I'm like, "Okay, I remember when they're like trying out a lot of this stuff and now they figured out this is working so they're going to keep doing it." And when I say working, that means First and foremost, it's working for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then maybe it also works for us in, in the consumer, too. Um, right. We always have to go back to, well, everyone in this is a business. Mm-hmm. So if is not working for them as a business, then they may not continue. And what works for a business also may be mutually beneficial for the consumer, too. Right. Um, you And that's, that's where you win as a business. Yeah. You're providing right. something that's awesome for the consumer and awesome for the business. Um like one thing I don't know, I'm sure you all are aware your magic podcast, <laughs> but they're getting away with draft and set boosters Yeah, right? well, so if you it, wanted just to
3: ask about that, how yes. you felt about the yeah. the play boosters.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I think for as a store that's awesome. Mm-hmm. We'll see how it ends up less happening. products to yeah. carry. Less products to carry. And you know, like my shelf I have my set boosters sitting on top of my draft booster boxes. Yeah. Like I just want one box up there. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. just give me one box up there. So I, I like it from that just like design store aspect. I like it. It's less confusing. We're going to have to re, you know, retrain customers who are used to that.
2: Mm-hmm. The
1: price points going to be a little bit more, which it's the same, but also if you're buying a whole box, you get 36 packs. So you're paying a little bit more for a full box, oh. but the packs are about the same price as a set pack. I believe, um, You get kind of some cooler stuff in the plays than you would in a set. Uh, So, like, I think it makes sense for the consumer aspect, too. But we'll see when it actually, you know, becomes a thing.
0: It's kind of one of those things that I feel like it needs to be proven to work because there's so many question marks surrounding it. Like, Mm -hmm. as someone who's very recently, like, gotten into draft, like is draft sealed and limited exactly right
2: playing with all these list cards in right or like
0: is that gonna because i know usually in set boosters they'll have like oh here's like a commander card insert that like isn't legal in the actual set but like will be if you play it at a game of commander or Mm -hmm. something like that like um i'm thinking of like wedding ring from uh from crimson vow but sometimes you just
3: get like stuff in the commander pre-cons too like oh yeah
0: literally like
3: i've gotten the um the gruel commander from um kamigawa um in like one of my set packs
0: so i'm assuming if they're trying to make them play packs they'll have to do away with any kind of commander related commander exclusive unless yeah unless they're okay with like feel bads of people playing like draft and their first pack they open has like only a mythic like commander card that Mm -hmm. they can't play or something i don't really know what they're gonna do but uh you know there's a lot of question marks for me about like is it gonna work and then the other thing is like we got into magic after set boosters had already been a thing um where it used to be i think just mainly draft boxes and that was it. Right? Yeah, they, were yeah. ju- they were just boosters. They were just boosters. boosters. Yeah. There wasn't any question about which uh, which one you're going to get mm-hmm. because there's not a collector, a draft, and a set. There was just a uh, draft. And I, I'm sure there's more to it than this because, I mean, like, there have been, like, really throwing a lot at the wall and seeing what works. But, um, you know, it almost to an extent feels like a wraparound way of them being like, oh, we're raising the price of like our entry level thing. <laughs> but
1: um Yeah, I saw I saw a recent store owner make a comment about like this is a good chance to to eventually raise the price, right? You know, um I don't remember how they framed it, but essentially saying like don't raise it now but now you have the opportunity to kind of like eventually raise it to mm-hmm. where it makes sense Yeah. Um, but I, I again i'm not with the coast yeah. i'm pretty new to this <laughs> like, i don't know we'll see we'll see we'll how see it,
0: how it all how it all shakes out yeah. but yeah hopefully hopefully for the best um you know hopefully for the best for local game stores and uh and the consumers yeah, yeah. right
3: <laughs>
2: yeah and I, Uh, So, yeah, I guess uh, while we're on the topic of uh, Magic product, uh, what are some of the big movers that you see over here? What are some of the hot sellers in terms of Magic the Gathering? And what events do people tend to show up more for?
1: So it kind of depends. Of course, the set matters. Um, And then we're also we've been a store for a year and a half. So we've had like one whole seasonal like rotation of uh, trends. So it's hard to kind of evaluate that beyond just what sets have done well and performed well. Mm. And wilds of Eldraine is very consistent for us. Like we've, this is the most of any set booster boxes we've sold since we've
0: been a store. It's a great set. Yeah. That's, that's really cool to know. Maybe
1: Lord of the Rings is up there. Uh, but I'd have to look.
0: I feel like the price point also being lower for Wilds of Eldraine, yeah. but them also like putting really good cards into it also helps kind of with that. A lot of great reprints with the whole enchantment cycle, mm-hmm. I feel, especially for Commander players. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's been solid and consistent. Phyrexia was pretty good. Phyrexia was our biggest turnout for pre-release. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and let's see. Some of the the stinkers (laughs) brothers of war we had maybe six people come for a pre-release event oh wow uh commander masters
3: is a big stinker oh Oh, yeah yeah. i mean i I I feel like that's mostly just the price that they were charging for yeah Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: wizards of the coast said it too much as a premium product Mm
1: -hmm.
2: you know delivering less than premium uh products in the actual box
1: commander decks do like they do solid across the board i mean there's certain commander decks that don't sell as quick or maybe sit a little bit longer, but usually players get introduced to Magic through a friend group that plays commander, so eventually they want to get a commander deck. It's hard to get those customers into Magic when they've never played before. And they're like, oh, I kind of want to start getting into Magic because a commander deck has a little bit of more of a learning curve than just a starter set, Yeah, yeah. but you also don't want to sell them a product that
3: they're not going to be able to play. They're not
1: going to be able to play with their friend group, right? So mm-hmm. we kind of have to preface that. We're like, hey, this is perfect. If you have one other person to practice and learn the game with, the starter deck is the way to go. If you want to jump in and be okay kind of like being lost a little bit, but you just want a deck to play with your friends, these are some commander decks that are a little bit more simple. Um, the starter commander decks, was an, that was an awesome product. We did a league for that. Um, where you you get any starter deck and then you earn points and you get to spend those points to either uh, upgrade your deck with singles that we have in the store or upgrade your deck with a pack and then you get to use any of those cards from the pack.
0: That, so that is so cool. cool. Oh, my God. I was I, I love the idea of those starter commander decks being at like a lower port price point and maybe a little bit easier for newer players to get into. So much so that I've thought about just buying all of them and then like having game nights where we just play with those because mm. they're very straightforward. Um, I don't know. Have other than like you know, kind of like internet rumblings or just like gossip and stuff. Has there been any easy tells to like see which sets will be mm. like good and which ones won't be as good, or is it just kind of random?
1: We find out. Long after we've already put in our order numbers. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we do know, but it's like, uh, let's see, Exelon. The are they? Did, was it yesterday? They spoiled everything. Oh. Maybe there were, there were a lot of, or is spoil. it this Friday? Or
3: um, I know, I, I, I think I think the story drop. just all dropped, oh, but I don't know if off. all okay. of the cards have come out yet. Okay,
2: I know we got all the like keywords we're going to be expecting in the set. Like we got like a bunch of card names. We uh, got all of we'll, the commander decks. We got yeah, all the commander precons.
0: The, like those themes were all spoiled. The themes,
2: yeah, and and I saw one of the face commanders, like the black white vampire one. Mm.
0: I think some of the face commanders have been. Like isn't Watley one of them? I don't know for sure, yeah, but I don't think she's one of them. No, I would probably I know she's in like the set and she flips and stuff like that and turns. So, so we're
2: probably gonna see a lot more coming out. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So yeah. I guess we're recording this what October twenty second. Exelon comes out pre release. I think November third. Oh wow, it's yeah, really coming. out. or November eleventh. It's in a couple weeks. Jeez. So we the whole set hasn't been spoiled yet mm. and we had to place our order like three months ago two three months ago yeah so it's tough like yeah what's coming up next uh is it oh, remastered what is Ravnica the Ravnica remastered. Ravnica remastered so there's a lot of Shocklands lands in there but then there's a huge debacle with amazon having their price for the it was the draft or the set booster boxes their price for those were below any price you could get from a distributor as a store oh my god are
0: you serious
1: they chalked it up to being a pricing error but it's (laughs) like my god it's hard to know for sure what happened because i mean all we can do is trust what people have said but people have seen it at that price point now yeah and so that creates like pricing memory to where well the set is it going to be a commander master set is it going to be like we're stocking but before that i was pretty excited about that because everybody's like oh yeah ravenica remastered like i'm interested in this oh
0: very and... excited yeah. about the set <laughs> yeah yeah but that that whole amazon thing that's uh that's got to be frustrating like that,
3: that kind of brings up a point though that i w- did want to ask of how do you feel about the lack of msrp on magic products mm-hmm.
1: um yeah so okay this is a big this is a big thing with Lorcana like that was a huge thing MSRP and how much we price products for what's fair, all that jazz. Um, one thing that retail stores especially retail stores the pricing structure that most of them need and they use to survive as a special retail store and this is like beyond game stores is like maybe you have a candle store that mm. sells like or bath and body yeah. s- store or something um it's called keystone pricing and that's essentially however much you pay for it you double it mm-hmm. so you want to make a 50 percent margin um that's like excellent for game stores if you can get a 50 percent margin on it hands down do it we operate a bit lower just because that's the nature of our industry right. um unfortunately because <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh but uh for something for a product to be awesome for a game store to, to stock is Healthy margins, something that sells consistently, and something that you can stock from your distributor consistently. Um, So, just to use Lorcana example, I know this is a magic podcast. Lorcana is something that sells consistently, something that does not have healthy margins at the MSRP. So, it's that you can sacrifice that if the third thing you can stock it consistently. I cannot stock it consistently. So, I only have one of those things that sells consistently. The margin is like the margin isn't. It's probably the lowest end of any margin that I would consider stocking. But because it sells consistently, I'm happy to stock it. And then again, MSRP. We try to get to MSRP as much as possible. But because of that margin, we probably will price Larkana a little bit more just to make up for the margin on that. And then we'll go into Magic. It depends on the set. Like yeah. some stuff I get and it it's off the shelf the first week and (laughs) and then i can't stock it because it sells everywhere um and then the margins are like tough because some stuff it's so heavily based on the market and i think that's only what works for us is we pretty much price to the market for all magic stuff if it's something that we can kind of get closer to you know, we can price under the market, but it still works in our margins. We'll do that. Like, we're not going to get greedy to where we can make, like, an 80% margin. Um, a good example is, like, the Warhammer Collector Commander decks that yeah. came mm-hmm. out a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. We were able to price it under market and make a very healthy margin for us. So if we can oh, do nice. that, like, that's awesome if it's a magic project. Yeah. Product, but not all of them are like that. Like, Commander Masters... If we sold it for market, we'd be negative margin. Right. So, yeah. so we have to like, okay, well, we have to price some of that stuff that, you know, is healthy margin a little bit higher so we can make up for those products that don't get a healthy margin.
0: I see. Um,
1: so it's, you know, it's market price is really what only works for game stores unless you're someone one, who is a magic store. And you know how much you're going to sell and you can price the same price every single set, no matter the product, because you're like, OK, this is the margin. We know how much we're going to sell. We know how much we're going to make. Yeah. Um, for us, we're not a huge magic store. We carry, you know, it's probably our third best line, um, but a lot of stores, it's their first, right? Yeah. Their top one.
0: Um is there um, anything that hits all three of those? Like, any game or product? Even if it's not, like, a card game that... Pokemon. Hit, Pokemon, <laughs> Pokemon hits <laughs> yeah, Pokemon.
1: Yeah. Uh, every once in a while, we'll have some stuff. Like, this is... We're 2023. We've had three sets from the Scarlet and Violet, and uh, the first two weren't so hot. The third one's okay. 151 <laughs> is awesome. Yeah. Um, so... But before that, everything for Pokemon. It was, like, we started ordering pokemon and we increased our ordering every single set until now paradox rift we cut it pretty drastically we cut our ordering by like 40 percent oh wow so uh because the last couple sets haven't done so well and i think that's a pretty strong narrative across the board for game stores this year uh-huh yeah Maybe we light. have a lot. I think even beyond game stores, just it's interesting being a retailer and kind of seeing some of this stuff. I think it's beyond game stores and beyond our industry. There's just a glut of product. Right. Yeah. There's been a lot of sales that normally, at least in the last couple of years since I've been a retail store owner, weren't happening throughout the year like they were this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how the holiday sales shape up this holiday.
0: Yeah, because I'm sure also there's going to be a lot of other products like added in a lot of new things being released like as holiday promos i'm sure pokemon will have something i'm sure wizards of the coast is going to put some kind of thing there's a lord of the rings thing right That's there's, gonna there's come a out christmas set yeah uh, yeah bundle, i think the holiday bundle yeah. yeah so that'll be interesting to see yeah. no, and i mean so.
3: caverns comes out in december i want to say
0: I th- it might be november yeah november okay. yeah like early oh, no- yeah early so november. yeah even
3: way before that <laughs> yeah yeah wow
0: that's crazy um have you noticed
2: an increase or a decrease in magic players in general since the brick and mortar stores opened
1: um i would say an increase there's been i mean this would be something that wizards of coast like i can't even imagine how many data points they have yeah <laughs> and be able to look at that like i would I wish I could have that access. Because they also collect a lot of data from game stores, too. Right. Um, and then to be a premium store, you're required to report sales data. So right. uh, I think, overall, there's been an increase in Magic players. I know I've had players come into a store I've never played before. Players who have played a long time ago and are excited about Lord of the Rings or Doctor Who sets are like, okay, I want to get back into it. Um, players who, this, I mean... It kind of is cool that this is happening alongside Lorcana is you're getting a lot of more people into the TCG hobby because their products are IPs that are just interesting to everyone. Yeah. Um, Like we've had Someone emailed me recently. They wanted to do a draft with Dr. Who. Unfortunately, there are no oh, draft packs available. Yeah. That, oh my god. That would be All so
3: right. cool though. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I was like, "Well, you can do a collector's pack draft, but it's not really designed for drafts, so you'd I'm... have to modify it or we Someone's have to Someone's going to open up like
0: a serialized card <laughs> yeah. in the draft. <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh boy. Yeah. Playing with a $1,000 on the yeah. table.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hopefully they brought sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, could
3: you just imagine just no sleeves like Serial. uh break Shuffling. That's <laughs> how we used to play
0: back in the day.
3: Uh, n- uh no bridge <laughs> shuffling though. Back Please. In old times.
0: <laughs>
3: oh yeah. yeah. I mean, you weren't a real magic player unless you had like the scuff marks from like the sidewalk or the asphalt <laughs> on <laughs> the back of the car. Oh, <laughs> it's crazy because
0: because really early on, early like maybe first few years of magic, like card sleeves were not allowed at tournament play. So like,
1: oh interesting.
0: They they you literally couldn't play with the type of, like, standard protection that we use now, like, you know, like, that that's just wild to me, and, like, I mean, given back then, it was a completely new thing, but, uh, but, yeah, just, like, times have changed. I'm glad we've standardized using protection. (laughs) I mean, now, like, every one of my basic lands is, like, (laughs) sleeved up, sometimes double-sleeved if I'm just, like, deciding to do the whole deck doubles oh, I, I have a
3: whole deck that's that way yeah. you know basic yeah. lands included
1: <laughs> I do appreciate it when people come in and trade their singles like you are you. oh yeah. I, yeah I will spot check cards when I do it because it, it doesn't make sense for me to go to every single one and check um But I would, I think when you trade in, I spot check some and I'm like, perfect. I don't have to look anymore because, like, (laughs) even the ones that I spot checked are like pristine. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) This is great. Right. It hasn't hasn't been
0: been run over by a car or anything (laughs) like that. (laughs) They've all been, like, you know, put either straight in a sleeve or straight in a box where they've just kind of sat. So, yeah, that is, uh, one of the, the nicer aspects is, uh, you know, just getting to keep them all in pretty solid condition. Yeah. One thing that is kind of off topic, but one thing I took pretty big advantage of when we went to um, MagicCon Vegas was they had a lot of people selling cards that were not in pristine condition for mm. huge markdowns. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. a card that... okay, yeah. I mean, maybe not huge. It, it adds up, but like mm. maybe like a card that's like, Fifteen dollars was like closer to eight or nine dollars, and yeah. like just or like
3: the Portuguese intuition was oh like gosh. half the price. <laughs> <laughs> that was Cody's favorite card. It is. <laughs> it was my favorite buy of that weekend.
0: Cool. <laughs> One of the cool things I got there too was they had a, a serialized card that was number ninety nine, and the people selling it sold it to me for ninety nine dollars, <laughs> even though it was a little under what it would have. You know, sold sold for on the market, mm. but that's cool. I uh, yeah, they cool stuff like that. But um, did you see the number four twenty? Ragaman. I uh, did. I saw a couple <laughs> four twenties. And what was that song for four four
2: twenty sixty nine? It was something? selling for sixty $6, selling. $6, for $6, $6, nine hundred $6, dollars. Yeah, yeah. It was oh, uh, really
0: funny, a bit of a joke. But then also, everyone who saw that was like, "Oh my god, that's too much money. <laughs> it's like, a
2: lot of money for
0: cardboard. That's <laughs> <laughs> almost seven thousand dollars <laughs> oh, for geez. a piece of cardboard."
3: Yeah, Um, been seven thousand with tax. (laughs) Seriously,
1: more than that.
0: Um, so I know we talked a little bit about like Watsy and distributors and that kind of stuff. Um, do you have any kind of like direct relationship with either Watsy or specific distributors, or is it like just very like email? stuff only or
1: yeah. So when we applied to be a WPN store, you have to go through an application process. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty hands on with a specific person that's in charge oh, of your account. Okay. Um and that I think that lasted about six weeks, I would say. Um and they're just going over things like you have to take an orientation, uh it's different videos just to watch and you take a little quiz and they make sure you completed and pass the quizzes and they get you you know like bureaucratic documents like the tax <laughs> id like you actually have a brick and mortar your address shipping address right all that. Mm-hmm. and then you choose your specific distributor to use okay so and they get all our well no do they get our promo stuff i i don't know they get some promo stuff so we have the harvest tide festival coming up that's a two-headed giant you get two packs of crimson Vow and two packs of innistrad and then Ooh. we were given a free collector's box from our distributor to add to that oh, as so that's you get cool. two packs two packs and a collector's pack and then you also get some of those collector packs as prize support oh, so uh well whatever whoever is our chosen distributor has that box for us that we okay. can claim um so and then yeah i mean i have pretty close relationships with my distributors for all the the reps from all the the places i mean there's certain distributors who i mean email is my preferred contact method so most mm. of them i chat through email uh then you go to like games workshop and i have a call with them every week oh wow <laughs> so every thursday i have a phone call with games workshop so i mean if i can't make the phone call it's fine it's not the end of the world yeah but yeah so yeah and it's it's good to just be in contact like our reps yeah. are awesome so
0: that's really cool i and, yeah, you probably got to keep up with a lot of different reps for all these different games. But, yeah. uh, you know, interesting to see that there's, like, different methods that they all communicate. I I think that's awesome that Games Workshop actually has, like, you know, someone for who who calls you every, you know, get into contact over the phone every week. Like, that's kind of cool. Yeah.
1: Games Workshop is a very lucrative business, I think, even mm-hmm. more so than Magic. And they they're old school in a lot of ways, but I think they got, they got things down. Yeah. Them. Like, yeah. with the rack that we carry, they know that this makes X amount of dollars per store. Mm-hmm. Like, if we carry this rack, we should be making this much money per store.
0: Uh huh. And it's usually pretty accurate. And Games
1: Workshop's been one of our best decisions we've made with our store. Uh, I mean, we had a lot of decisions or reasons to do it. One, there's not another Games Workshop store in the area. There is now. There's one, Games and Grounds, they do a little bit. Okay. Um and then yeah, paint is huge. Like we right. consistently sell paint. So. Yeah. Yeah, no. I remember there
2: was a brick and mortar
1: games workshop store kind
2: of in the area, um mm-hmm. a little recently near Fire and Dice. Um but yeah, they closed down a little uh-huh. while ago. That was a yeah. big
1: reason we're like, okay, well that one's closed. This is we're kind of the only place people can go within fifteen minutes to get Yeah. You guys are definitely the closest place to me, and uh,
0: for work. Do you Harry. guys have like weekly warhammer meetups as well or or warhammer meetups yeah we do
1: warhammer every sunday um and like a big aspect of our store is casual gaming and creating things that are friendly for beginners too Mm -hmm. as well as like bridging that gap between a beginner and someone who's been playing the game for a while so we do a we do a kill team league which is very much designed for beginners first week you get a build your models second week is paint third week is paint fourth week is the tutorial on how to play and then the fifth week is a tournament oh god so it's kind of like an introduction to the kill team you also get you get a kill team team you get a box you get paints and you get some brushes so you get like everything you need to get started oh Embrace man Nurgle, Mark. this is
0: this is not good <laughs> <laughs> Nurgle. I've, I've been juggling getting into like warhammer a little bit because like i mean it's really good to hear that that games workshop is so great for a store to work with and I really enjoy their, like, lore aspect and all of that. Yeah, but I
1: think they're great. Other game stores sure. are not happy <laughs> Some are the, not so
0: happy with some of the stuff. But Yeah, yeah. but I, I'm glad that they're great for you to work with, yeah, yeah, I should say. Sure. That, yeah. There's uh, going to be
1: a... You guys are going to create a Warhammer podcast next. Oh, God, oh that's boy. the way this is going to go. Yeah. Oh I'm surprised
0: that I haven't already made a Lorcana one. With all yeah. the <laughs> I've been playing, too. But, you know, an aspect of that is this game store is where I've kind of transitioned into all these other games with you know I've already played Magic before but this is where I signed up to play my first Lorcana events and uh kind of it's weird. I started playing Lorcana here and then got into playing Magic here a bit mm. more. But um like it, it's such an easy atmosphere because also, you know, the the thing that you've developed is all these people end up playing multiple games so you'll talk to some of the Lorcana people they'll be playing magic here on uh you know what is it wednesday night or friday night and then uh the magic people might be playing warhammer i know Uh, that for a fact that some of the magic people (laughs) play play warhammer so and and yeah so uh it, it does create this like atmosphere of like you know getting into new things with with you know nice people and and just a cool vibe so maybe i will be here for more warhammer things in the future who knows so he's probably gonna bring me with
2: him (laughs) (laughs) that's one game i wish i could get into i just don't have time it's a huge investment that i've kind of noticed that's what's been stopping me from getting into because i love mini painting and that's the aspect that i kind of really joined it Mm -hmm. for um but yeah once i realized like okay i don't just paint one cool guy no i need to paint an Army of them <laughs> yeah. and all Army the paint of cool supplies and all the models themselves mm-hmm. and yeah it's an investment on all fronts but it's really cool I love the lore it's it's very rich and it's one of those games that feels natural because you know I I, I came in from an RPG standpoint and while it isn't an RPG there's a lot of flavor to it and you Definitely. can kind of imagine the sort of battles going on and I don't know that's my appeal
0: and even like yeah so warhammer is very intimidating to try to get into that's what's been stopping me from getting into actually playing the game but it sounds like you facilitate like a certain level of like you know almost an introductory like week-to-week thing where you spend time painting you spend time constructing and then like at the end of it you spend time playing is is that about right
2: Yeah, and kill teams are a super easy way to get into it as well because it's much smaller armies, mm-hmm. too.
1: Yeah, and as I was going to say, kill teams the perfect way to kind of ease into it. And I don't want to mention my staff by name because I don't have permission, but she's awesome. She's, like, really great at helping beginners get into it and oh. learn how to play. And then cool. also, again, bridging that gap, we have people who started with kill team, started Warhammer here. They learned it. They started our kill team league, like, probably, like, nine months ago that still come on Sundays. So they know what it's like just getting into it. They know what it's like kind of getting started with kill team and, and It's growing. really cool. That
3: is awesome.
0: Okay. Um <laughs> well, maybe I'll be making a stop here more Sundays. There you go. <laughs> All right. Um so I know you kind of touched on this a bit earlier, but um just to get like kind of more of your thoughts on it. Like so having a game store there's obviously certain aspects of that where you get you almost have to keep up with all of the new developments and all the different games. Mm. But have you found that it's been, like, easier or harder maybe to to get into some of these hobbies as as a seller?
1: So you're asking, like, easier or harder for me to maintain those from
0: a business standpoint? Or, or, or more uh, so, like, just from, like, play. a cat, Yeah, wanting to play from a um, casual kind of standpoint.
1: Yeah, I think... It's really hard for me to be able to get into new stuff from a casual standpoint. Like with board games, I used to know and learn and play a lot of new board games when I, before I opened the store. And I was happy to sit down with a rule book and learn it and then go teach it to my group of friends that play. Now I don't do that <laughs> I'm like you teach me the game yeah. otherwise I'm not learning it like it's, I don't want to sit like I used to go to bed with rule books like oh that was like God. what I used to do but I don't I can't I just don't have the bandwidth for it mm-hmm. um, and then like for stocking new board games I just rely on a couple of content creators that I really admire and I respect like Grant right. um, he's a board game comedian he has a cool uh, board game stand-up show. Oh. He actually did a... he For a grand opening, he did a stand-up here with board games. So oh, I got to cool. ask That's him. He's awesome. down to do it again. I just got to ask him to see when he's available. But I just... I'm part of his Patreon, and he does games coming to retail. And he also shares, like, behind-the-scenes stuff for that with his Patreon. So I just use him as a resource. And I'm like, okay. He gave this one a 9.5, and I read a, quite, a quick synopsis of why. I'm going to order three copies of this game. He gave this one a 6, and he gives his reasons why, and it sounds like it's a more personal reason, but I think it's one that would do well with, like, the family gamer. We'll yeah. stock some of this, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I, like, I don't get a play often. Um, uh-huh. Like, another example, Blood on the Clock Tower. So if you guys are free next Saturday, we're doing a Halloween event, Blood on the Clock Tower. It's a social deduction game. Oh, So it's like Werewolf on steroids. Okay. Oh. And I, I love this game. I've played, like, six, seven times, and so I like okay i love this game so i'm gonna make this part of our store and i'll host the game so this game in like mothership i love that rpg so i'm like okay i'm gonna host some mothership sessions as the store so it's a little bit different like yes i love it and yes it's still work but at least i get to kind of enjoy the game through work
0: right that is where the two kind of meet i i know it's it must be difficult balancing both because yeah obviously it's like work but it's also this thing that you love but that that sounds like a really great combination just to be able to like you know still kind of put that element in of like the passion and still be able to yeah you know
1: yeah i mean Ever since I was a kid, even in my career as an educator, like I love creating experiences for people, and like I love to share. You know, I love Blood on the Clock Tower. I get to share it with others. I love the Mothership. I get to share it
0: with others. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we'll have to see, but those both sound like awesome experiences. I'd love to come in for for one or both of those. And
2: can I come in costume? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's also Halloween costume contest. So oh, it's the same can, time. Yeah. That's fantastic. Oh, that's a, whole, amazing. a whole week. Yeah
0: um so one other question we had for you uh this one's really up to uh how you want to answer it but what is something that you wish that more like customers of game stores knew that they don't typically know
1: um mm. uh let's see um I think one challenge with the industry from a game store standpoint a game store owner is most stores are not making a fortune Mm -hmm. (laughs) right um i'm in a year and a half and i still like i'm not taking a salary i started to pay myself about 200 bucks every other week and that ended up being too much because we i there's a lot of things that that kind of piled up and like oh Crap, we're in a tough spot right now. Mm-hmm. So, I stopped paying myself. Probably gonna wait another like close to a year before I start to do it again. Um, so that's that's a big thing, like for the most part. I mean, some game stores are new, maybe they're kind of learning what price points work and they're trying to figure that out, but like margins are very tough for game stores. Yeah. I mentioned the especially restore Keystone pricing, like some game stores are able to do that, and we. Do that for the most part, like I would say forty percent of our products, maybe no, probably less. Forty five percent margin is like where most of our products are. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty decent. Like if I can get to fifty percent, I'm like, yes. Like, yeah. yeah, I'll do it and if it's selling. Like I'll do it. Um but yeah, I mean that's that's a big thing. Uh but again, you gotta do what works for you personally too. Like we have like I mentioned you mentioned our community and all that, like super supportive for our store too mm-hmm. right not beyond just like the aspect of playing and bringing new players but they're super supportive and supporting our store and they understand that like okay yeah i can get this set booster box for 20 bucks cheaper online but this 20 bucks is going to growing a community that i enjoy and support yeah. um so that's like just keep that in mind i mean i understand one thing too that i always have to remember or i i live by as a store is like i don't need the whole pie i just need enough to eat right enough to be full um so i know our customers don't buy everything from (laughs) us right you're gonna get some stuff online you're gonna get some stuff like that a lot cheaper online and it's just like well this product's not working for you right now but hopefully it works for someone in our store in the future
0: yeah.
2: yeah, no, that's, that's really great advice. I mean, I work at a local music store, and mm. so I kind of feel a lot of the same sort of feats. Sure, you can maybe buy this book, this instrument online, and maybe save a little bit, but, you know, you're paying for being part of the community, for being able to go and talk to the staff yeah. for recommendations, for having a space to play, for all the other things that kind of come with being a part of the community. So I have a lot of respect for that.
0: Yeah, yeah. I appreciate it. I, I really... I mean, hearing your thoughts on all of that, like, I really appreciate having a game store run by someone with that in mind because, mm. like, you know, it really does feel like you're giving to the community. You're giving to us who like come in and enjoy and have a great time. And like, yeah, I mean, it, it makes us want to give back. Like, we yeah. love yeah. supporting you. We love keeping this place open and coming out to it and uh, and doing what we can because, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it. It's weird. I feel like I mean, I'm sure it's different for all kinds of people. But like when you find a space that works for you, like you really want to cultivate it and stick with it. And and I think this is like the closest or maybe the space for me where it's like I come in here and I like want to actively just keep being here yeah, I yeah like, yeah, yeah, like, like so. i don't
2: know if you know about third places and oh, everything yeah. but it feels like especially living in um you know urban suburban um la kind of you know outside of it that we don't have too many places like that and so having an awesome community to kind of come sit down and play after work or something is really really
1: invaluable and it's something that i think we need a lot more of yeah one thing that i didn't realize before opening this store is how big Part of people's lives will become. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we do kids D and D, so we do Dungeons and Dragons for kids once a week, and like that is the thing that some of these kids look forward to each week. We had one kid like mention a DM. It's like, will you be our forever DM? Like, Aww. will you always DM for us? Like, <laughs> like man, like that DM is a big part of this person's life, you know. Yeah. And it's an outlet for those kids. It's an outlet for adults as well. So that's really cool. Something I wish I had growing up. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I was like, I, I went to a store often, but I never felt like that was a community for me. Yeah. But it was still kind of like my group of friends had our community. We would go together, and that was kind of cool, but never like the store facilitating that so much
2: right it always felt more like a storefront first and foremost mm. and then oh i guess we can also kind of have these tables out as a loss leader you know that's yeah. always kind of what it felt like but here it feels different you know it feels like the kind of like the community in the play area and, and the groups are kind of what drive the business so you kind of tend to prioritize that same thing that makes uh, local game stores unique that's what gives them the edge over places like amazon who honestly i just kind of hate buying from. <laughs> right yeah. <laughs> yeah you
1: mentioned that lost leader that's one really in- interesting conversation with game stores is like play space and how to use it for us it's always been a pillar of our business model and not so much like magic events or con events but our kids programming like that's a big part of what we do in our summer camps our kids D. but because we do that it helps us leverage the play space for lorkana events for magic events because we're not We're not a TCG store where we rely on big turnouts, heavy play, huge prize support, right? Whereas we don't have the space for that. So we have to think about, okay, well, we are a casual store. What can we do that helps support what we're trying to achieve? And that's like our Lorkana League. You don't get points for winning. I mean, you get an extra stamp for winning, but really you get points for (laughs) like coming, playing, having fun. Participating. Dressing up. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But are there any fun Disney characters
1: you dress up? As? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we—that's our last day. The Halloween costume contest is next Tuesday. Our Lorcana oh, nights,
0: so that it's gonna be Disney themed. I already costume. know some people who are gonna come out all, like, <laughs> yeah, all <just> the way <laughs> dressed out. Yeah, no, you're, it's... you're one
2: of them, right, Mark? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, you know what's funny? I—I I mean, there's a one of the points on the old Lorcana League was wearing like a a Disney related thing yeah and i the only disney thing i have is like this old disneyland jacket so <laughs> <laughs> i kept bringing it in i'm like point please like, yeah. <laughs> here's my jacket <laughs> and some days it was like too hot to even wear it so i'm just like here it is here it is tied around <laughs> my waist yeah. but then like um you know it, it would be really fun to like kind of get more disney stuff and like it come decked out in that and match the deck.
3: But you only have to go to the happiest place on earth. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you far don't actually, away. You don't actually have to go there either.
0: Do you guys have any more last-minute questions? I I think I'm good. Yeah, I mean, this I, has been a really I think we touched on everything.
2: And yeah, thank you so much for sharing your space, your time, and your uh, mental bandwidth with us. Yeah, you know, it's been really seriously. great. Yes, yeah. We
0: really appreciate it. It was great getting a look at like kind of the behind the scenes, a little bit more of what you kind of see from behind the counter mm-hmm. almost. And, Getting uh, to see how the sausage is made.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, before we call it an episode, is there anything else you want to talk about? I know we kind of did that at the beginning, but uh I know, I, I don't know if it's still going, but I know you were talking about doing some kind of talk with other game stores and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, so... Um, again, I appreciate you guys for, for having me on the show. This is a lot of fun. I love talking shop, even if it, you know, like (laughs) I love to make time and space for this. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, BG's tabletop, we're in Los Angeles. We are doing a show with two other game store owners in the LA area. So you're going to get a lot more behind the scenes, look at everything, um, because we are planning a board game or tabletop gaming convention in 2025. So this is kind of like a podcast that's kind of going with it. But the podcast is not just convention-related. It's all tabletop gaming-related. Oh, very cool. Um, so that I think we're planning for that to release in January of 2024. And the convention is not till, uh June 2025. So we're a ways away from that convention. Oh, yeah. Looking forward
2: to <laughs> yeah. it.
0: I mean, I, I know I know everyone changes their mind as time goes on, but that is, like, something I am, like, almost definitely going to be at, like, <laughs> regardless. Like... Yeah. Local awesome. convention sounds so fun. And and looking forward to that uh that podcast coming out soon. I know I'll be listening into it and uh yeah, hopefully hearing some more behind the scenes of how the community runs as a whole. But uh yeah. Well again, yeah, it was appreciate great it. Yes. Thank you guys. Great Thanks having for, you, thank you on. Great coming. talking with us and, and yeah, maybe we'll do it again someday. It was awesome. Sounds <laughs> great. Thank you guys. All right, with that, I guess we are signing off here. All right.
2: Adios. Peace out, everyone. Thanks for joining.
0: Bye-bye.